When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. Bandland, everybody. I'm Adam Felber, your host with the least. Uh, right here is my co-host, Mr. Kevin Burke, hello, our lead guitarist. Hello, I'm the keyboardist. Hello. This is episode eight. Uh, once again, this is the podcast where uh, you learn all about music and hear about our opinions from the perspective of a neighborhood cover band. And I want to introduce everybody very quickly because we have a very special surprise that we're about to find out about. So uh, here's Kevin. Kevin, you doing good? I'm, I'm doing great. You know, it's a great week here. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Kevin, you and I are going to be breaking down one of our songs today. I think we're going to do the Monkey Stepping Stone today. Yeah, I think the Stepping Stone is going to be a great song. I mean, it's a great song yep. that everyone loves, and it's a fun song to play. You're right. Now, uh, right above you on my Zoom thing, we have band manager Brian Frank, and he's got, he's bringing yet another hot platter to Brian's House of Wax. What album anniversary are we talking about today, Brian? 35 years <laughs> of U2's The Joshua Tree. God help us all. Yeah, that's oh, it's a it's a great classic album. Um, I had a uh, I had a, a teacher in college who was teaching Shakespeare, and he said Shakespeare's an institution. First thing he said in class, and like any institution, he's oppressive. Wow, <laughs> feel a little bit like that about the Joshua Tree, but I Ooh. also love the Joshua Tree, Ooh, so I can't wait okay. to talk about it. I love it. But <laughs> can't wait to see um, you uh, contort your way into that stretch. Yes. And that impatient lad over there is our friend Jeffy Brandon, the guy who authored that fantastic music montage that starts every show, including this one. And uh, uh, Jeffy, how are you feeling tonight, Chief Technology Officer? I am feeling very good, sir. Very good. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy to have you here. Thanks. I'm and, happy to be here. And I appreciate here. you. As Ted Lasso would say, the reason I'm rushing us through this, guys, is because, as you guys can see in our uh, Zoom window, um, we had a special and unannounced guest. She asked just a couple of hours ago if she could come on our podcast when I ran. She's my neighbor. Uh, she's also a longtime friend, and we've mentioned her on this podcast a couple times. Let's find out and talk to, ladies and gentlemen, right here in our virtual studio, it's Lisa Loeb. Lisa. Woo. Hello. Welcome, Hello. Lisa. Hey, you guys. I heard y'all had this podcast, and I just, I wanted to come on because I just want to know what's up with telling everyone that you're, like, I opened for you guys. 
Oh. That I opened for your band. Oh, that was Adam. I, Adam's the only one who said that. I was just that. curious I would, about I would that. never say that. That was entirely Adam, right? You said that, Kevin. No, it was that. Uh, why, why would I say that? She was technically before us. Technically yeah, I was before. technically before you. But I technically, I had to get back to my house to like make the dinner, wash the dishes. So it was like a technicality. See? It was like a obligatory opening slot. So you didn't slot. stay for our set? <laughs> Nobody... <laughs> I stay every time. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. How on brand. Lisa, are you mad at us? I missed you. <laughs> Am I mad at you? Know, well, I'm going to try to put it past us. You want us to stop saying that? Stop bringing that up. Yeah, I you, really... Well, it's, it's almost like it's almost like saying <laughs> that Queen opened for David Bowie at, at Live Aid, right? It's kind of like one of those... Yeah. I was there. I was at that you Live Aid. Anyway. I was there what? in London... At that Live Aid, oh yes, my God. I was. Oh, my God. I have photos. I have photos of the tickets and everything. Wow. Oh, my That's gosh. That's a podcast in itself. Yeah. Wow. I know. Can you believe it? I was I, there. I can't believe that. I was That's there. That's incredible. Amazing. You know, we were talking about Live Aid just a couple of episodes ago because I was once in a movie about the cars, and I don't know if you remember this, but Elton John played your Live Aid and then flew over to America. Yes, that's right. Oh, wait, was that was John or Phil Billy? Collins. Phil, Collins. John. Phil Collins. Phil Collins, that's yes. who it was. Phil Man, my memory is terrible. <laughs> who I wasn't as excited about at the time. I liked his cover of You Can't Hurry Love, which I think was popular at the oh, time. Oh, yeah, it was. But I was, over the, I was in London studying acting. Acting. <laughs> um, just during a summer program in London, and uh, I was super into music as I am today. And I was probably even more into music then than I am today. And I was like, you guys, there's, I probably said it like this, you guys, there's this, there's this concert, we should go see it. So I, I got a couple of friends, two of them from Dallas, actually, actually three of them from Dallas, three out of the four, pe three out of the five people who went there from Dallas, and we all got on the tube, because it was England, <laughs> yes. and we went there, we bought tickets on the way in, and we went to Live Aid, and I had the T-shirt and everything, and they didn't have any food. They ran out of food, so we were drinking orange juice and potato chips. Um, and, uh, and then it, and it rained, and we saw all those bands. What a show. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, and then we went back to the dorm, and then we saw part of the Philly one. That's, that's one of those events that I, it's so mythical to me. I can't believe Crazy. humans that I could meet attended that. That was so <laughs> massive. I know. It's crazy. And it was yeah. Bowie. I mean, yeah. I'm such a huge Bowie fan. And Queen. Queen Queen's I legendary was like live aid Queen. performance. Unreal. Yeah. It's crazy. But, but, no, as long as you brought up Dallas, can I bring up the fact that um, that uh, my wife and you have known each other from your Dallas days, from many, many years ago? You want to touch on that? We're neighbors now by accident. Yeah, by accident. I was at the grocery store one day, and I ran into Jeannie and Stephanie in the grocery <laughs> store. And I was like, what? And they're like, what? And uh, yeah, we went to high school together. I think I'm a year or two older than Jeannie, maybe one year. I think you're one year, year older than Jeannie and a couple years younger than Stephanie. Yes. But you're a hockey And we were all in dance workshop. We're all hockey daisies. We all went to the same all-girl private school down in Dallas. And we were all dancers and actors. And uh, actually, I, I, I used to be in dance workshop. I think I might have quit before Jeannie got in because they had us dance at the boys' school assembly to the song Hungry Like the Wolf with uh, high-cut leotards and tatters and rags costumes. And I was in the front row, um, like on my <laughs> kind of hands and knees in a letter. I don't know what letter that is. Like, you know, when, anyway, I couldn't explain the position. But it was way too close to the front row of the boys doing this sexy moves. 
And I was looking in the, they were all my friends who were like, I was in bands with them. And I was like, I cannot be doing sexy moves in spandex at the boys assembly. And I, I can't do this. Which boys school but was that? But that being said, uh, St. Mark's School of Texas. Is that the Wes Anderson Rushmore school thing? Yes, yes. Wow. that is. It sure is. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so Jeannie, so now we're, we're connected again. We're, we're friends and neighbors and we, I take dance class from her and I get to hang out with you guys and our kids know each other and it's very It cool. is. And I'm sorry if us calling you are open or put any strain on that relationship. I, I got to <laughs> own that one. Well, <laughs> I got to say, I tried, I avoided your street for a while. <laughs> uh, we're going to stop. <laughs> if I could stop Kevin from doing that, I will. I, I want to say one more thing before we get to our topic today, because I, I, I don't want to do all the like podcast interview guy thing. But um, I do want to say you did something like a month or so ago that was so awesome. You, back in the 90s, you toured with Lyle Lovett. Is that correct? Yes, I did in 19, like 1997, right. I think, or eight. I think 1997. Which is so much cooler than yes. anything I did in 1997. But if, <laughs> about, about a month ago, you and Lyle put on a Zoom show. That was awesome. You're both in your own homes on Zoom. We were all watching. And you guys were just trading stories, catching up, and uh, taking turns singing songs. You know, it was kind of the silver lining, if there is one, of COVID was the whole connecting over Zoom and the connecting in different ways and connecting with people that you might not hang out with as much. I know um, just even what what you didn't get to see during the show was that we did sound checks and we kept checking in for a couple of weeks. We'd have a meeting and we'd have a sound check and we would just sit and visit, you know, for an hour. And then the next week we'd have another sit and visit and then we'd do an Instagram live and then we'd hang out and visit. And, you know, it was just like, more time spent with Lyle than I've spent with him in a really long time, but we got to do it because he was in Houston and I was here and it was really easy to do. And that happened all during COVID. It, like not only hanging out with Lyle, but I ended up writing a musical and, and making a musical with over a hundred people who graduated from Brown University where I went. Oh, we wrote wow. and recorded, we wrote, filmed, recorded a musical meant to be performed in Zoom. We shot it on Zoom. And we, we put it out on Zoom and we connected with people all over the world while we were writing songs and coming up with the concepts. And it was, it was amazing to be able to wow. connect like that and even make new friends of people that I didn't know as well when I was in college. And we raised, I think, like over $60,000 for the Actors Fund. That's and I got to write a fantastic. musical and with a bunch of people. It was a collaboration. That's but there's so wonderful. many things, you know, you, that you do. Like I started taking guitar lessons again, even though that, that wasn't long lasting yeah. with my friend from college over zoom you know so many things isn't covid the best everybody it's so great <laughs> it's yeah no. it sucks <laughs> well it i sucks, hope you and I will do say that like, again or something like that yeah we will I'll, we'll we'll have to call him and we we talked about it we do need to do we do need to follow up and do well, it well if though. you do it again we can promote it on this podcast which is very popular right now so <laughs> i know i know i know i know it is among sure. the podcasts out there yes Maybe, Thank you, it, maybe it your is. Zoom could open for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. That's, As let's the, just yeah. alienate her again. <laughs> just won her back. Um, all right. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa will, will you stay to do our first uh, you know, cocktail party question today in music? I will. I will. I'm, I, I, I'm excited to hear what it's going to be and, and, and see if I can actually tell you some truth. All right. Yeah. See if you can speak some harsh truths to us other than the ones yes. that you already have um any truth uh, today's yeah. topic is and i think this was kevin's idea <laughs> artists that were ruined for us by other people whether it's their fan base uh -huh. or people you knew 
Maybe you had an old boyfriend or girlfriend who liked this band too much or too little. And the idea, of um, course, being like it's music, right? So everyone loves a certain right. thing. And sometimes there are great artists out there that that good music appreciators cannot enjoy for personal reasons that defy all logic. And that's what I'm trying to get to the bottom here. I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I do that to other people sometimes. <laughs> like I remember in high school, um, again, I was a DJ. I loved music. I was in a cover band also and wrote music and music was my thing. And I would find like the deep cuts, like the David Bowie, Beulah oh, yeah. Brothers or something. And I'd, I'd always tell my friends, I was like, wait, you got to listen to this song. And they started making fun of me like, oh, oh Beulah Brothers, <laughs> oh, David Bowie, you know, like, oh, you want to hear the Plimsolls, blah, blah, oh, blah, wow. whatever, some song. <laughs> And uh, I would drive them a little bit crazy. So I think that, but other than me ruining bands for other people, <laughs> I, I can think of one stands out to me immediately. And it's embarrassing. Um, the band Nirvana. Who ruined the that band for Nirvana. you? A, a lot of people, they were just like, they're genius. Like I, you know, whenever I hear they're geniuses, I'm like, oh, they're going to suck, yeah. you know? Like, oh, they suck or something like that. And I, I kept hearing they're geniuses. They're amazing. Like they're like the real deal. And then finally, I would say in the 2000s is I finally started listening to them. And I was a huge fan of Grohl and like Foo Fighters and all that. But it was after that that I started going back and listening to Nirvana and realizing they actually are really good. They really, really and are. nobody should have... So people shouldn't have told me how good they were because that's that's yeah. just really. Annoying. I think they were overhyped at the beginning, and that that definitely like it took me a few months rather than a decade to get over that hype. But but I totally hear what you're saying. They they were so but like glorified. Yes. Like my I remember the drummer in my band, John Feinberg, who I'm still good friends with, who worked on that musical I, I was telling you about. He's a programmer now, but he also he's an unbelievable musician. It's crazy um, and songwriter. But he he was just like his his glorifying them, you know, like, oh, they're the best. I, I was like, oh, they're not going to be the best. I'm not going to like them. What's funny is <laughs> I had the exact opposite situation, which was I was a fan of theirs early. And then when Nevermind came out and everybody else started liking them, that turned me off to them. So you That'll have that happen. inverse experience. That's, yeah. that's yeah. a good point too. Yeah. So like, yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to advance probably one that we probably all have. Um, I don't know how, how we've made peace with this, but a fan base that put me off when I was in college. And I don't think I've ever been able to really listen to the band the way that some people tell me I should would be the Grateful Dead. I think they're the prime example of this. <laughs> there is such, yeah. there's such an entrance price to liking the great. And I know you do, Brian. Yeah, no, Brian's, Brian's making a face I mean, right now where he's like, you guys bringing up the Grateful Dead again. But it's true. In I'm college, for me to get to the Grateful Dead, I would have to get past the incense and the fl and, and 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 the tapestries on the wall mm -hmm. and those giant cases yeah. of cassette tapes labeled with the date of the shows <laughs> and, and the patchouli and the bandanas Absolutely. and 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 I just I I couldn't do it. I couldn't no. get there. Tofu no. chili. I'm sorry. Vegan I cannot, chili. I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I've never gone to it, and that was one of the that was one of the many factors that barred entrance for me into the Grateful Dead fandom, but I'm with you. Yeah, that, that didn't. The toes, <laughs> the toes, seeing people's out in toes. Public. Yes. Yeah, agreed. You know, <laughs> dead fans yeah. see each other's toes I, all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if this, I don't know if for me it falls into the category because for me, the Grateful Dead, I just, I tried so hard. You know, I tried, well, I tried. I, I like the song China Cat. I like China Cat Sunflower because Edie mm -hmm. Brokell and the New Bohemians, when they just used to be called the New Bohemians right. and were a local band in Dallas, they used to play. And I guess they were big fans of the dead, which I didn't really know because I didn't really listen to the dead. But 
I try. I even took cough medicine. One night when I had to take cough medicine, like a lot of it, I listened to the cassette tapes of like yeah. the one with the foot on the front, oh, you know, yeah, like the big totally. keep on trucking foot. Yeah. And I was like, I think I kind of might be getting We've this. We've all been there. But I didn't get it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I'm sorry. And I have, I've, I've gotten to meet some of the band members, and that's so cool. And I actually, when I saw the documentary about Jerry Garcia, that made me a little more interested. But then I was like, oh, now I can listen to him. And I was like, no. Is this, still, is this song yeah. still happening? Is this still, is this, are we still now? listening to this? Um, <laughs> Brian Frank, since this I, is I making you, the same song. Brian, since this is making you die inside, I'll let you go next. What band has been ruined? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kindred spirits here. Yes, I'm the only <laughs> one flying this flag in this group, Lisa. So don't worry about it. Um, the rainbow uh, one with the bears. Exactly. Yeah. Always, it's tie dye. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Here's the thing. I was I was thinking long and hard about this, and I was like. Okay, what was something that I liked when I was younger and then, you know, later on because of something that happened, I didn't like it anymore. And I'm going to go back to my same thing about guilty pleasures. There's nothing that I liked when I was younger that I don't still like. And what I want to say is, again, the inverse, which is I've only been turned on to things by people, not turned off. And I just learned more and more and appreciated more and more. You're I, so you know, frustrating. I know. That's like a very grateful dad. That's a very grateful dad, like heart, Gandhi. right? Like Gandhi. That's it. You're the best band manager ever. You like everything. Yeah. Like everything. <laughs> oh, oh, God that made me. God I damn it, Brian! I, I hate what a good person you that. are. That was so. Inter- <laughs> there's so much inner peace with dispute. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I feel embarrassed as a musician. I feel I feel like I've done something wrong, and then I feel especially bad because there. I don't. I also have the thing where I have my favorite band, and then all of a sudden I'm like, "What did they do? Why did they Why make this they, record?" Oh, yeah. Like the Police. I love the Police so much. I love that band so much. And then yeah. when Synchronicity came out, I was like, "Seriously? Seriously?" <laughs> like, and I heard every breath you take, and I was like, "No, this is not." Did they? They copied the lyrics from someone. This is like some country song. What is this? I mean, yeah, now I love most of the music. Now yes. I love most of it on, on Synchronicity. I love that record too. But now. it was but a violation of what they were doing before. I was yeah. like, how could they do this? And and there's been a number of bands that get to that place. And then now as a professional musician myself in the some odd ages and millions have made lots of records, created lots of records and continues to create. I'm like, oh God, oh God, I hope this isn't that record where somebody's like, oh God, what? how could you do this? Why would you do yeah. this? Discography, let me just edit the discography here. Oh, man. <laughs> Je- Jeffy, as long, as long as you're speaking up, speak up. Tell, yeah, don't well, be a Brian this, Frank. This, I'm, I'm gonna go to a song because uh, a particular okay. song that was ruined uh, it was ruined over a period of about an hour and a half. And I, I think I may have talked about this song before. Another Grateful Dead song. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. no. Just one song. Half a song. <laughs> one song. Um, you know, I, when, one of my college roommates got me into Metallica. I wasn't okay. into metal at all. Like, it just wasn't a thing for me. But You're not a metal guy. Yeah. I, like he like was a mathematician and he kind of explained some stuff and I was like, oh, okay, I can get into this. I can get into the math and the progressions and speed of it all, so to speak. And we were in a bar once in, um, gosh, I guess it was Boston, Massachusetts. And um, just having a good time talking 
chatting, and then an hour and a half passed, and we realized that we'd been listening to Enter Sandman for 90 <laughs> minutes because oh. someone had put it on the jukebox and just put it on repeat, and it was just, like, right, but the conversation and the just noise level was, right. it was, yeah. like, perfectly balanced. <laughs> so it was just kind of like, oh, there's music playing. That sounds familiar. And then you go back to your conversation, and then... An hour and a half later, you can no longer listen to Enter Sandman. Right. Well, you, yeah, you, no, that'll do you it. You clockwork oranged yourself in that experience. Well, it was yeah. Yeah. Yes, well, not himself, Ludo, but yeah. Ludovico yeah. technique, <laughs> yes, I think exactly. is the phrase <laughs> it's called. For, but. That is the phrase I was looking for. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man, no, yeah. I can see that happening. Kevin so Burke, well, step on up. Well, for me, I mean, I the band. <laughs> well, first of all, Lisa got me thinking about music I've ruined for other people, and I realize that I was that person too. Like, Kiss. like when I when I became a senior in high in college, I was like, you know what? I never had any one of those crappy roommates who was obnoxious, who stayed up late and stuff. And then it occurred to me that I was that crappy roommate that <laughs> all my roommates were like, <laughs> like they have stories like, you know what? I had a terrible roommate. My my anyhow. Uh, so I clearly forced people to listen to some really obscure Alice Cooper records and things like that. So that is definitely in my wheelhouse. But the band for me is Pink Floyd and the. And the reason is the entire senior class of my high school when I was a freshman was so into Pink Floyd and they were so into holding on to feathered hair and mustaches that was kind of going away. Uh, Pittsburgh area. Pittsburgh area thing. And I, I thought Pink Floyd literally until the pandemic. I just associated them with these people that really could beat me up and they drove pickup trucks. <laughs> and they, they did. And, and they, they did. did well, they did. But they may or may not have beat me up and I may or may not have been a skeletal, young skeletal bird-boned child at that point, but it, uh, you definitely were, and you did. Um, yeah. But <laughs> then, then, then years come by, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is a band of like art school socialists. Like, why, why did I assume that these people were? You know, it, it just seemed like this was music I was not going to like. And in the last, in the last year, two years, I actually listened to their whole discography, and trust me, I don't love it all. But, uh, but for somebody who loves, you know, Led Zeppelin and other classic rock, Pink Floyd was the one I could not get into. And now, for the most part, I have, actually. I've, I've come in to discover there's a lot more there than I realized. As an adult man, I've, I've matured. I've grown past these problems. Welcome, my son. Welcome to the machine. <laughs> he's not gonna listen to he's not gonna listen to the dead, Brian. Forget it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two quick hits and then I'm gonna take it back to Lisa for the last word on this one so, so we can wrap this up. Uh two quick hits of, of of things that are being ruined. One is being pointed out. If you don't follow this guy on Twitter, his name is uh Keith Murphy. He's a like a music journalist or something. He's a journalist and a music journalist, and he keeps pointing out that Eminem's fan base is destroying other Eminem fans because as he keeps pointing out they're not really hip-hop fans but they're triumphalists uh, and there's kind of a racist tinge to it for Eminem they will just get on online and tell you that he's the greatest rapper that ever lived and there's no discussion to be had um, yeah so that's the thing that's happening and it has made me like Eminem less because I see that online now that Keith Murphy has pointed it out the other one from a completely different um, uh, angle I want to bring up Anita Baker and Charday. Because if you are a certain age, if you were young in the 90s and the early ooze, right. um, <laughs> and especially if, if you're a, a, a heterosexual man, Anita Baker and Charday was the music that a woman would put on if she really liked you. You know, that was the cue. That was, that was always the thing, like, oh, 
you know, if I'm, if I'm at somebody's house and they put on Chardet or Anita Baker, I was like, wow, something's happening here. Now I have to consider whether something's happening I mean, here. And, Sweet Love was our prom song. You see? And, and, <laughs> and so my point about this is that this holds true to this day. So, like, I could be walking through, like, a big box store and I'll hear Smooth Operator come on and I'll be like, <laughs> whoa, is Costco coming on to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard for me to listen to without being distracted by that uh, mental calculation thing. Should I be on this coffee aisle right now? I don't feel safe. Yeah, the listeners can't see you pointing to yourself and being like, mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is that guy in the security camp pointing to himself coyly? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Jeffy. Thanks. All right, I just wanted to bring that up. Lisa, do you have any others that you want to bring up? Something must You know, I you have to that. say, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling um, blessed. No, I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling, <laughs> I have to say, like, I felt very alone sometimes mm. growing up at the all-girls school in Dallas uh, in the conservative 80s and being, like, one of the only people who might play guitar or have, like, a crazy record collection and, like, carry crates of records around and, like, be obsessed <laughs> Um, but I was lucky because I did not have a lot of people around me that I, that had associations with most of, a lot of the music that we're talking about. Like I was obsessed with Zeppelin or Hendrix or Pink Floyd, all these bands, but I didn't, nobody else was listening to it. Right. So I didn't, wow. I, I was just sort of like alone. <laughs> I was like, you were alone. an island. I was, I was an no, island. Yeah. Freeing, so, right? I mean, I, I had similar experiences where if you like music that maybe everyone else hates, at least it's yours. Do you know I mean? At least you have it for the rest yeah, of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Nobody can hate it because nobody's there. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there were, there were bands that my friends and I shared, especially like alternative bands and like the Go-Go's things that were considered alternative in Dallas that might've been more mainstream, like in, in Los Angeles. And also I, I missed whole eras of music as well. Like mm -hmm. my husband is from a slightly different era than I am, and he'll he'll put something on, some music on, or something will come on at the CVS, and I have never heard it in my entire life. I've just wow. I've never heard it in my entire life. I you had were busy. completely, <laughs> I, like I missed metal. I missed heavy metal almost completely, except for I ended up in a relationship with someone who was a heavy metal guitar player for a while, and so I, I listened to a lot of metal. I met a lot of heavy metal guitar players. You know, all of the Ke greats. Ke Kevin's jaw just yeah, dropped because that yeah. was, he would have no, wanted I mean, to it's like I've seen, like you get to see up close, like Steve Vai and like all these yeah, great guitar yeah, players just playing, doing all these crazy tricks. But so, so, you know, that, that made me like the music more. Like you said, when it's explained to you sometimes, <laughs> it, you appreciate it more. Yeah, uh, like Jeffy said, yeah. But I'm trying to think of other stuff that I, I, I don't like. I mean, there's, uh, there's stuff that I just don't like. I'm not going to talk about that, but I'm trying to think of things that have been ruined for me. By hmm. someone else. I'm stroking my invisible beard. Right. I don't have a beard. I'm thinking with my, my chin. Mm. Hmm. Rub your temples. Sometimes you can, that helps. You can be a Brian Frank. You can be positive. We try to keep things positive on yeah. this podcast anyway. Yeah. I, I, I mean, this is I, I'm trying to think thing. of things that have been ruined. I mean, even some things have been like wonderfully enhanced. Like <laughs> that sounded weird, but like, like, like Weird Al doing another one rides the bus. Like that's so fun. That is. Um, yeah. And I loved, I loved the original Queen song too. But like we were of an age where some of that stuff that some of my older friends think is like the worst music ever because it was disco, but it's like the best music ever. My so. son loves disco now, and the disco flavored cuts on that new Silk Sonic album, like, oh, thrilling. I haven't heard it yet. 
Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. Oh, you, you should you need to that. get on That's, that train um, right now. That is a train to get on. That's Bruno Mars. And oh, yes, I've heard some of that. That's like funk. Yes. Yeah. But there's a song. There's a song called Skate on it that my son is learning on drums right now. That is full on string infused disco. And it's uh, great. OK, I'll, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. But I'm, you know I'm what? Thinking. I want to give you a chance to check out because I know I told you this was a 20-minute thing and we've doubled that now and that's super kind of you. So I'm going to throw it a commercial in a minute, but before I do, Lisa, do you want to plug something to all our fan? (laughs) Uh, I should. (laughs) I should. I just just came out of, you know, a new record that came out uh, right at the beginning of COVID called A Simple Trick to Happiness in 2020 called A Simple Trick to Happiness. And all the videos are up on YouTube, so you can check out my official Lisa Loeb YouTube channel and see all of my videos and more. And you can subscribe and like. And yeah, stay nice. tuned for upcoming things. I am on Instagram, I am on Twitter, and I am on Facebook, either with my name Lisa Loeb, L-O-E-B, or the official Lisa Loeb. And I do go on there and do live, live streaming shows and things like that. You're also so frequently you at Gelson's. Out. I do go to Gelson's with my coupon <laughs> and CBS, where I mostly hear my music. Yeah, that's where I hear my music most these days. Oh, my God. I hope you'll come back. I hope we get to share a bill again someday, Lisa. And, like, we'd even consider going on before you. We would. No, I don't know. I think, I think it makes more sense for me to play before you, So, so you actually. can leave, so you can go home. So you can home. leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I can, so I can start drinking. I don't know. I, I like, never drink. I'm like, drink yeah, so I can drink What drove you to drink, Dad, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, big well, dad man! Thank you. Open for them Lisa, do you remember that question they asked about how certain music you started hating? <laughs> for a certain, no, I'm kidding. When I heard you guys, I heard all the greats, all the great songs. So, uh, must have been another band. Yeah, In fact, my husband right. should join your band. Uh, maybe I'll talk to my husband about joining your band. Hmm. He's welcome. We're we're having a rift in the band right now, so we could use some players. They could hey. use yeah, some yeah. Blue. yeah, we're on board. Let us know. <laughs> And he yeah. likes the Grateful Dead. Uh-oh. Oh, that might be a deal. We'll, we'll talk about it. He likes many, many bands. Okay, yeah, yeah. these other bands are good. Okay. We're going to pay some bills right now, but ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Loeb, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you so much. Goodbye, Dad Band. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back on Dad Band Land. Wow. Lisa wow, Loeb was yes. here. Yes. That, that so was fantastic. Mean. She, I mean, I don't blame her for being so mad at you for always saying that she opened for us. I, <laughs> I Kevin, never said Kevin, that. Not only me, but, and, and Jeffy and Brian, but all our listeners have, to this point, heard you say that. What? No. No. Yeah. And you know what? If we're being honest, she totally opened for us. <laughs> you know what? Let's just, let's just say, let's just call it. Let's, let's just say what, what really happened what, here. What do you call yeah. it when I mean, that's, one? That's distinct what happened. Act plays yeah. and then another act plays afterwards. What do you call that? So, was your band's name bigger on the poster than her name? <laughs> poster. <laughs> oh, who do you think we are, Led Zeppelin? <laughs> the poster said Valley Village Talent Show. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, let's get on to our next segment, which is usually our first segment, but we skipped it because Lisa was here. We're going to go back to it, which is going to be weird because usually, Kevin, you and I do this segment and then we open the bottle and let out Brian and Jeffy, but they've yeah, already they, been they've let been out, out of the yeah. bottle. We got to put them back into the bottle. Get back into the bottle. Weren't we just acting like we recorded that at the end of the show? 
No, no, no. We're starting with that. No, that's oh, that's okay. the more fun part. Get to get to the good part early. Yeah, and then absolutely. they stop then listening. People can turn it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right, we're so all on the same page. Great. It's like it's like when they see the opening band and then they leave because they yeah. don't want to stick I mean, around yeah, for why you would guys. They stick around for a later band. Yeah. Band yeah. followed up. All right. Good. So it's, so chip in if you want to, guys. But Kevin, you and I awful. played with our band. We played Stepping Stone, the monkeys' version of Stepping Stone. Well, yeah, but there's some discussion as to whose version we're playing. But in my mind and heart. It's the monkeys version. And I yes. unapologetically love the monkeys. I've always loved the monkeys. When I was a kid, I've loved the monkeys. I know there's certain generations that don't take the monkeys that seriously, but I think the monkeys are one of the greatest bands ever, that we've ever had. And Stepping Stone is a top to bottom great rock song. It's a great rock song Absolutely. where the monkeys are doing it, whether, you know, you could, the, the misfits could do that song. It's a great song. Yeah. Now, you and I had an ongoing disagreement about this song, and it came from that <laughs> punk set that we played. We punked up Stepping Stone for that punk gig. Yeah, that for did, that a punk gig, gig. In, a, in a punk club. And Well, and I, in general, I'm always big into, I guess, rocking up Stepping Stone. Like, it's a rock song, yeah. and it anything that sounds And I wanted everybody to back off a little bit and make it a little more monkeys-like. And yeah. you, this is the only time everybody in our band argues except you and me, and this is the only time you and I were <laughs> genuinely arguing. <laughs> Because because you were doing in the in in the verse you were doing this doom da doom da doom da doom and I was like Kevin take it a little less heavy we're doing stepping stone here it's yeah but I think well the question is we just want to keep rocking everybody and keeping all the energy up that's right and stepping stone works in that way but no ultimately I think you were right like I had managed to remove all the dynamics out of that song by making it just heavy. Through the verses, through the chorus, through every single section. First guitarist I've ever heard utter the words "You were right," but that's amazing. Yeah, you know what? We're yeah, we're not playing right now, so that that helps. But um, <laughs> but it uh, no, ultimately it needed some dynamics, so I had to bring it down. But but it wasn't easy. I had to like unthink the way that I was doing that song. I had to play single notes yeah. and stuff. I did not put in a little. All these little trills between now, stuff. It was it was you not must easy. unlearn what you have learned. I had to unlearn what Absolutely. I what I learned. And and I think you did. And I never get tired of it because that chord progression is so crazy catchy. It's um for those of you who play music, it's E G A C. And what's so crazy about that is from the E to the G, I'm I'm enough of a you know an idiot about music that i don't understand why that's so good and i have to figure it out for myself and the reason is is because you play the e right and i've got a keyboard right here you play the e right and i'm playing on my big organ um and then when you go to the g next all of a sudden you're playing two notes that aren't on the e scale you're playing so it goes and it's so funky. And then I, I figured it out looking at the keyboard. It's funky because those two notes that aren't on the E scale that are in the G chord are two of the blue notes from the E blues scale. I don't know if that means anything well, to you, what, what but it it's means, really though, fun. Let me put it from guitar space, though. Guitar, it's the same sort of structure. You start on the E start on the E chord with the E string and move up to the G, and you just repeat the same thing on the A. So it's the same form, one set of strings above. So it's kind of a guitar-written song, which very much yes, works in that way. Um, and yeah. also, it does it does one of my favorite a, things. Yeah. It does one of my favorite things ever, where the the chorus and the verse section is the same music. It's the same riff. It's a different vocal melody. Oh, it's just those four chords. I love and I love songs like that that are simple in that way. And what changes is the vocal melody. The band's not really doing anything yeah. different. The vocal melody is changing. The verses and then the chorus 
And, you know, as an audience member, there's that really little coda that. at the end where it does change. That coda. Oh, at the no, end it has a couple, uh, it has a couple, <laughs> a couple mid sections. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it also has that but, middle section where there are, is no guitar. It's only snare drum and keyboard, right? Which is. Um, I wanted to talk to you about that because remember yes. we were talking about just what I needed and how everybody in the audience loves that keyboard part. Mm-hmm. They're just crazy about it. And uh, um, for me, it's boring. Why is it boring? Because it's, compl- it, it, it's not complex enough? Because it's, it's not just, flashy? It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's ju- it's just like, you know, well, on Stepping Stone, it's really clear because on Stepping Stone, I'm working so hard to make it cool and interesting and sound a little bit like Rayman Zarek. Mm-hmm. And then I get my solo, and it's just four notes. And that's the part the audience loves. Let me play that part for you right now. Yeah, you could put more feeling into that. <laughs> well, I do when I play it, but, but the, don't, what I want to point make the, out... But don't and, make and I, the mistake. This is, this is a, a fatal mistake of, of all bands, especially guitar players, to mistake more notes and complexity with exciting the crowd. And that is, I was just watching... So I was different. just sick, and I was just watching a lot of Prince videos, and he's one of my favorite guitarists ever. And he could do more with the same note repeated... For like, yes. for like four or five bars and get more emotion out of that note than some guys can play yeah. 50. That's but at, if, if, but if, when if, you're playing an organ, that's not the case. Dude, you're not you look cool anything. doing it. You look cool because you usually open up your shirt then. <laughs> you put one arm up. You do a whole thing. Say, I'm doing a, I just want so people can hear it. This is the kind of thing I'm trying to do in the background when nobody's listening. It's... I mean, I the question is... crazy shit. The question is, how much of that are you playing with one of your heels? Right. right. <laughs> I don't understand that question, but the point is taken. <laughs> but also, I mean, we also Jerry Lee the- Lewis, come on. I'm saying yeah, right. if you're I, not into it yeah, and yeah. you're playing with three limbs, maybe you're not putting enough into it, Felber. Or maybe I'm putting exactly enough into it, but some guitarist is just going bonk, yeah, bonk, bonk, totally, bonk, bonk. and he's standing cooler, and it's a whole thing. And I mean, this is a direct, it's a direct competition between you and I. And I think, yeah. I think the fact that even I've never heard you play that section in my mind until just now is, um, is pretty telling <laughs> as to what the what the cool part of this song is. I'm like, that's what yeah, you're doing the whole time. That sounds great. I'm just no, going, thank you. That reestablishes that you're a guitarist. What's that? <laughs> that reestablishes that you're a guitarist. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Totally. But I love I love that middle section where you're playing those four notes. That is exciting. Everyone it is. Re- it is it really works. exciting. It's a drum fill. It's a whole thing. It's a whole. Middle and then section. our our drummer and our drummer is great. And he's yeah. He's, he's a legit great drummer. And, he, and on that section, he he is a maniac. The, doom, 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 oh, it's doom. so you good. Know, it's a. And also, I, I get that part. I get to just sit back and watch and get excited when you guys get it right, which is always you guys actually always nail that. But I always get nervous. What if it falls? Because apart? it's four notes. It's, yeah, <laughs> you can screw up four notes. <laughs> oh, um, that was but fun. I think that Too in fact, I think that notes. song. I think that song. It's just one of those songs I can play forever. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's that's a particular song that beca- it's quick. It can be punk. It can be poppy. It can be rocking. Yeah. It's one of those songs that's sort of evergreen. Brian, do you know who wrote it? No. Oh, I thought you did. Jeff Barry. I, I, I looked him up earlier. No, no, no. It's a it's that duo that they had a couple of hits. I can't remember their names right now. I'm sure our listeners will let us know. Uh, they played. Uh, they wrote a bunch of the Monkees hits, but they had a couple of hits on their own. And I just, I just love. Are we talking about Boys and Heart. I think we are. Yeah. yeah. Of course, we're talking about Boys and Heart. As as an obsessive Monkees fan, 
Boys and Heart wrote a lot. In fact, they had a group together with um, two of the other, two of the remaining monkeys. In fact, I was at the last mon- what ended up being the last monkey show ever. Of course, you Greek, were at the Greek not too long ago, and that was a profound oh. experience. They played Stepping Stone. It was great. I was with one of the members of our band. Interestingly, a buddy of mine was playing the keyboard that night. Really? Yeah, a kid who grew up next to my mom's house. He's a little. He's younger than me, but he he like you know. He's the monkey. He was the monkey's keyboardist for the last eight years. He nailed those four notes on Stepping Stone like nobody's business. <laughs> Alex Holtzman, you know I hope the your ears are ringing. The simpler it is, the harder it is to nail. I agree. That's not true on the organ. <laughs> it's true on the guitar. <laughs> uh, Listen, the I have played the organ for exactly zero hours. So listen <laughs> to me when I tell you that I'm telling you the truth. All right. Well, because we because we we ran long with Lisa, I'm going to run short on this on this segment and say, Dad Bandland has to pay some of their bills, cats and kittens. But we'll be back right after this. We are back, Dad Bandland. Dad Bandland. Dad Bandland. I want to remind everybody that you can write to us, tell us your guilty pleasures or whatnot at dadbandland at gmail.com. And also, go to all our socials. They are starting to happen. Hit our Facebook group. Check us out on on the Twitters. On the Instagrams. And the Instagrams is, yeah, because um, dadbandland, everybody, it's a phenomenon. And it we want to hear about your dad bands. Your dad bands out there, if you're actually in a band of dads and moms or just a, a bar cover band, share some experiences with you're, them. If you're playing covers and you're, and, and, and ideally, it doesn't, you please, in some ways, don't be good. Like, we're interested if in people like that are regular people rock. that do this thing. If, <laughs> if you like to rock, yeah. <laughs> if you like to rock and this is something that you love to do and you have to go to a job during the day, but you still do it, that's the sweet spot. That's exactly yeah. what we love. I, I totally agree. Um, And speaking about stuff that we love, we love this segment. It's Brian's House of Wax. Mm-hmm. And this, once again, there's, a, there's an important anniversary of a record. Brian Frank not only has the vinyl, which he insists on showing to people over an audio file, um, <laughs> no, but he also, has, take he also tells us a ton about it. No, so, Brian, why don't you I, lift I us what is today's week? What is today's album of the week? Let's make some room, Brian, for your spiel. Tell us about your album. There we go. Oh, man. Today we're talking about U2's The Joshua Tree, which was released on March, March 9th, 1987. So that's uh, 35 years from uh, this recording, um, which is pretty crazy to think about um, because this is one that I yeah. definitely remember being released and, and going to get the day it came out. Um, so this is recorded over a year, um, but they took a couple breaks in between to play a big uh, benefit show in Dublin called Self-Aid. And they also toured the U.S. on the Conspiracy of Hope tour for Amnesty International. Self-Aid was, was a benefit for masturbation, right? Absolutely, yes. Uh, they were trying to encourage <laughs> masturbation um, to reduce oh uh, teen pregnancies in Ireland right. because of the right. whole abortion thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should probably <laughs> have Please our fact checkers looking at that. <laughs> We're not cutting anything out. Go on. Um, so anyway, so imagine recording like this epic album and just going on tour in the middle, you know, in America. 
Um, but uh, it was produced by Daniel Lanois and Brian Eno, who had produced The Unforgettable Fire, their previous mm. album, right? I and, don't recall that one. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they're <laughs> I really, see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeffy. Uh, based on the success of that album, which Adam has never heard of, um, there were pretty <laughs> high expectations for this one. And, um, you know, I would say that they they not only fulfilled those, but exceeded those. Um, mm -hmm. And it was an enormous commercial success. And this is something that, you know, at the time being like a, a kid and buying this record, you don't really understand this stuff. And now seeing this perspective, it was number one in over 20 countries, including Canada, Jesus. Germany, New Zealand, Switzerland, Sweden and the UK. In the UK, it was the fastest-selling album in history up to that point. Wow. And it spent... Faster than Beatles. Faster than the Beatles. Spent two weeks at number one and stayed on the charts for 201 weeks, which wow. is one of the longest <laughs> charting albums in the history of England. At the same time, it was also number one here in America, where it was number one for nine weeks and stayed on the charts for 120 weeks. Which is insane. Just keeps wow. going, keeps going. Won the Grammy for the album of the year. Won the Grammy for best rock performance by a duo group with vocal. And then you start thinking about the songs that made this, which are just all-time classics, Where the Streets Have No Name, which won a Grammy for best performance music video, which kind of ties into our conversation about Beatles Get Back. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh with or without you, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for, which are the band's only number one U.S. singles. Um, and and it's you, the first three songs on the album. Right. For, right. And then, you you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the song Sweetest Thing. That was yeah. originally recorded for this album. It was a B-side on Streets Have No Name on that single. And the band... I guess realized in retrospect how good that song was and what a bummer it was <laughs> that they left it off because in 1998, when they put out their best of compilation, they actually re-recorded that song for the best of compilation. And that song was number one in Canada, Ireland, <laughs> Iceland, and top 10 in England, so many countries. Uh, wow. It's Great song. outrageous. And, um, you know, there are a lot of records where it's like, Oh, you know, this is such a big record. It's sold so many records. Like, this is an important record and all this stuff. And, you know, there's all the hype. And to me personally, I would say absolutely merited. I think this record is such an incredible piece of work. It's beautiful. You know, listening to it again for, you know, for research for this segment. I, I, every time. It works for me every, every time. From top um, to bottom from top to bottom. And I, I have to mention this pressing too, which is the uh, 30th anniversary edition that came out in 2017. And which has um, some amazing extras on it. Yeah. Well, this is, this is just the double LP. This is just the original album, but yes, they also did a <laughs> deluxe with the extra Fuck, tracks. Fucking purist. Um, You're such yeah. a purist. If you, if well, you, if you, uh, <laughs> if you subscribe to a, uh, a music service that like, like most of the country, like Apple music or Spotify, Check that edition out because it's got this live concert at Madison Square Garden that is unbelievable. It's incredible. I mean, it shows where the band was, like the level of work that they were doing at that at that totally, time. Totally. But this pressing was done at Quality Record Pressings, which is my favorite 
record pressing plant. Mm-hmm. And yes, I really actually <laughs> am saying one. that. True story. <laughs> I really have one. Um, How much are I, they paying you? That's supposed to go to all of us, dude. Yeah, exactly. I wish they could pay me in records. I pay them. <laughs> um, and uh, my my fun fact, my fun fact is um, Steve Lillywhite, who had produced the band's previous uh, records, their first Heard three, of him. Uh, mixed the singles uh, for this album. And his wife, Christy McCall, did the sequence. And if you guys remember, oh. when we talked about the Smiths, um, uh, Queen, Queen is, is dead. dead, right? Yeah. And I mentioned Christy because she had recorded the backing vocals for Big Mouth Strikes Again, mm-hmm. and the band didn't like them and erased them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. She was a singer in her own right. But she came up with this sequence. You two told her this album starts with Where the Streets Have No Name, closes with Mothers of the Disappeared. You figure out the rest. And she did it. And they accepted her work, which is, you know, it's hard mm. to imagine a band doing that, like leaving the sequence up to others. But right. they did. And she did an incredible job. I mean, this record just flows so well from song to song. It's to song. a beautiful wow. record. I want to yeah. I want to get us discussing this as a group um, yeah. uh, for, for the way I want to start. This is by asking all of you by show of hands for which of you is this you for you, your favorite U2 record. Okay, I want to point out that I, 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 no I, hands came I, up. I, I, Je- I Brian is kind I of waving now. About, I haven't thought about what that is. It's yeah, pr- it's, I, it, I would say it's between mm-hmm. this and the Unforgettable Fire for me. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, for me, um, it's not my favorite. Uh, I would no, say probably I would say, is my In fact, favorite. for me, and and mind you, I love U2. U2 is one of my favorite bands, if not at times my very favorite band. And, wow. and this, this is and this and Rattle and Hum, which is sort of like the little brother of mm-hmm. of Josh Tree, are are still. And I try every couple of years. I try to get into this one so badly, and I have many wow. theories yeah. why it doesn't work for me. And it's wow. still low on my. And I love you. I mean, I I love the newest U two albums. I I will I will right. go to my grave. No, I love U2. the band and I love this album. But I wanna I wanna I wanna get at this because I think there's something weird going on here. And and in order to get back at this, I want to talk about something that was very controversial among our listeners. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I want to bring it back because I want to recant a little bit. I said I I said that the U 2s rhythm section was lacking. I, I said that the, the, their bass and drummer... I disagree um, with this so, Larry Mullen, so hard, by so the way. Let me just say what I said. Let me speak my piece. I said, I, the thing that I said, and I want to backtrack a little bit, I said, to me, it's Bono, The Edge, and U2 just got lucky. That's U2. And the reason I bring that up again is because, one, it's a fucking awesome joke. <laughs> uh, but for, 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 okay. for two, spending a week as I did just now with this album... It's not fair. It's not accurate. They're doing, no, they're doing exactly it wasn't fair when you said it weeks exactly ago. Not what accurate. they want to do. Yeah. I will say this is when this is when I got my first drum kit mm-hmm. and I learned how to play the drums to every single song. This is the first album that I learned oh. how to play the drum kit. And this and then Rattle and Hum were like so key for me. And so and he's I, he's on on those. He's incredible. Absolutely. Yes. And it taught me so much. Well, and if so I can I, if I, I can sort of my Part yeah. of my experience is like that with with this is the first U two song album I ever heard, right? In fact, I remember <gasps> the DJ. I remember mm. the DJ came on the radio, and and again, I was young, and the DJ was like a year in the making. Here's a new 
song from YouTube. And I'm like, you a year and a minute. This must be great. And it was with in you without you. And I was like, it took him a year to make a song that was this boring. Like I cannot believe that this happened. <laughs> but then I and again I'm young. I'm just getting in the music. And and then the rest of the singles to me were were kind of like 80s hippies with jangly guitar. They're just that high end ding 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 ding. And I was like, maybe I just don't like you too. I couldn't I couldn't deny that everyone loved this, but I was like, this is not my They're thing. A, they were so different. They really were very groundbreaking. And, I, and all I knew, the, all I knew were those with two without records. You. All I knew was this record and then yeah. right on Hum, which was more of the same. And I distinctly recall someone brought over Actung Baby, and I remember popping that CD in. And so it you kicks found off them with, later. Later, oh, absolutely! It kicks on with it's all this noise that starts to congeal into a song. And I remember thinking, "Wait, this is U two. U two can do this." And Acting Baby is that, my is my favorite U two album by by far. Mine too. And mine then too. I went back and discovered I, I love Boy. Baby yeah, is I your love favorite? Boy. Absolutely, I love Boy. I love mine War. Too. Too. I love Unforgettable Fire. I love Pop. I love all of them. And and I realized and I, not look this is a U two album and I can't deny that this has the best three songs maybe ever to start an album. That yeah. is without question. I think what throws me off on this one, and mind you, it's still U two, so they give it their effort, which I find very endearing. And I love their history, and, and, and I love you know being of Irish heritage. I love everything about them. It's the songs where they're trying to be like American that really doesn't flow with me. Like when it gets to that's what I wanted to bring. Oh, this is awesome! This I is, wanted to bring it, that up when it gets to Bull, the Blue Sky, and his guitar solo is real bendy and bluesy. It feels out of out but of it, out of. It's it not bendy work and, for me my, for the edge. And then um, it's not bendy and bluesy enough is the problem. It's not a blues well, guitar not, solo, it's and not it's not song. an edge solo. And it's a lot live. It's a great song, and I've seen it live a number of times. But it's when they're trying to do, like to me, U two is at best. They're at their best when they're like a European or world sort of pump, punk pop rock band. And then there's these two yeah. albums where they're being no. like Americana a little bit, and it doesn't. I think well, that's what album, doesn't work for they me said, as well. They said this album was about America. Uh, no, this album know, is America. And that's why everyone loves and, it. And the thing is, on a couple of songs, like, you know, One Tree Hill, they try to do a country thing. And on, I believe they on, run um, into the arms of America. At one. I believe they do run into On one well, of the best songs on the album, um, they do. Running, and then in Trip Through Your Wires, Bono plays what sounds for the first three notes like an amazing blues harmonica and then just abandons it because that's not the music they want to embody. They want to be you too. I do. It's I a, do like I, I agree with you. Wires, it's a nod. Even though Trip Through Your Wires has all the problems that I'm pointing out, Trip Through Your Wires works for me. It does have even like yeehaws and, and all these these things. Yeah. And, I mean, but, through and then um, what's it called? Running the Stand Still has that like, it's trying to be a Springsteen harmonica at the end sort of bit. It, it doesn't. Again, I'm I've, again I'm complaining about a U2 record, which is higher than every, every almost any other record. But why it's right. low on my list of U2 records, I think, is that reason. It doesn't flow uh, for me. I, Maybe. I would agree that Jeffy, it's, not, it's not my favorite U2 album, but it right. has my favorite 35 seconds. What's that? Which is the last 35 seconds of One Tree Hill. Wow, let's, let's hear, let's sample that, that right now. It's 
an elevated reprise of what I like about the song. Um, to your point, Jeffy, I I got into I got into YouTube late. Like I was a big '90s YouTube fan. Like, and I I was really big into Zuropa, and I was really big into pop, and I was. And I loved that they weren't taking themselves so seriously, and it was a lot of fun. I was on board with that. And then I've stuck with them the whole, the whole time. I think they're one of the few bands in the modern age that did have a musical evolution that people stuck with. A lot of times you have any little inkling of musical evolution and everyone drops you. You two mm-hmm. pulled sort of a Beatles in the 90s. And, and, yeah, and everyone talks no about doubt. Nirvana. You know, and I, I love Nirvana, but Nirvana changing the sound of the 90s. But I think everything sounded like Actung Baby. I think that was the record that sort of set the template for like the sort of synth rock of the 90s. It's possible. I mean, I feel like U2 gave everybody permission to do the 90s because if U2 could do it, everybody could do it. Amazing. Okay. This is this. Not only is that amazing, this is a point I want to make about this album. And, and the reason I want to make this point is because I'm not sure it's a point that's out there. And if it is, I apologize which is I was listening to this album this week and I was like, this is so different from anything else I was listening to in the 90s. And I, for some reason, it made me think about <laughs> Jeffy Branion, our own chief technology officer a okay. lot. And I was like, oh, I can see why Jeffy loves this. Damn. And then I went on online and I was reading people's commentaries on this album and it wasn't like most music commentary that you read, although it was like one specific kind because they were talking in terms of beats per minute and other fluctuations, and it made me realize that what you two did is they invented techno with acoustic instruments. They, without using computers, they are the world's first techno act. They are about textures. They created a techno aesthetic as as a in a traditional rock band format and it's amazing for that what the edge does with guitars and the only digital effects he's using is a delay but he uses the fuck out of them but we're um, talking about Brian Eno's keyboard contribution to this album specifically that's what i'm saying is yeah. to me oh, the yeah. magic I, I don't yeah i don't want to play down Brian, Brian yeah. Eno's influence but you won't find another traditionally assembled rock band in the 90s 80s or anywhere that do that. Now I feel the need to defend this album and to say more <laughs> defend, robustly. Love it. No, don't yes. defend it too. To also, my my, yeah. my criticism is a cry for help. I've been yeah. I've been trying to love this record. No, no, because I love to say this more band. Robustly, that this is my favorite U2 album, and and I'll say why because with like with Jeffy, I was going to say it's between Unforgettable Fire and this one for me. But you know what I realize in having this conversation is. This is the next step from the unforgettable fire. And to echo what Adam's saying is they took these sonic landscapes, like what Eno does and Daniel Lanois does, and they put the traditional rock band on top of it. There's more of the rock in this than there was in unforgettable fire. Exactly. I I would agree. I would absolutely agree with that, that that unforgettable fire is a transitional record from war to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although by putting a traditional rock band on top of it, I won't buy because they're not a traditional rock band. What Eno saw in this band is that they played differently. Nobody uh, nobody plays like the edge. Did you ever see yeah. that movie? It's it's it might get, it might loud. get loud. It's, yep. it's, it's, the, it's the edge and Jack White. Of course you did. It's the edge and Jack White and <laughs> Jimmy um, uh, James Patrick Jimmy Page. Page. Yes. And and Jack White and Jimmy Page have so much in common, and they are jamming together so beautifully. And the edge 
is the odd man out because his style of guitar is like nobody's style of guitar. No. That guy lives in a different universe. He doesn't play the same kind of guitar. No, as and that's why else. I love the he Edge plays, is yeah. because is because I still I can't mimic the Edge. He's doing a particular thing Nobody that can. can't be that can't be mimicked. And that's kind of that's kind of my only criticisms of this album is the times where he's trying to be more like Jimmy Page and less like the Edge. Like because he's at the best of yeah, he can't being do the Edge. Um, and I love that that's how he thinks about it. There's times where I want to think about it to, to the point earlier of less notes. Like he'll put a delay on something. He'll just play these couple of little licks and they become sonically fascinating. Absolutely. And they're still badass guitar riffs. They're not, it's not like a He stole it all from Simple Minds, obviously. He stole it all from Simple Minds, obviously. But still. Um, I can't. When does the joke start and end on, this, on that one? <laughs> if you think about the title track from Unforgettable Fire, it is, yeah. it starts with him. Yeah. And that delay. Yeah. And it's fucking classic in three seconds. Yeah. Four bars. Well, and all, and all of like, them, the whole, from, the first, from the first album on, his guitar playing is distinct and very particular to what he does. And, and it remains that throughout, there's only a handful of times, and I, I count these two records, these two being right on hum and this, that the only times he sort of veers from that template. You know, So when he gets back to Act and, Tongue, he's back, he's back to making these weird sounds from the guitar that I'm not sure where yeah. they, what's working with them. But no I doubt. don't I don't mind this is their, you know, statement on America, their exploration of America, right? That's what they're trying yeah. to say. That was their stated goal. And I understand your point, Kevin, but I still enjoy it very much and, and I don't have a problem with it. I actually like the way that they're doing it through their lens. Right? Are you saying it's like it, a, are you saying yeah. it's like Lars von Trier's Dogville? I have not seen that film, so I don't know. <laughs> it's, that's that's Lars von Trier's statement that. on America. But no, to you, okay. and Absolutely. also to your point, I it's not that this isn't an incredible record. And like I said, the first three songs are the best maybe of any record put together. It's just in in the YouTube ranking, it's the one I pull out the least. Yet to most people, it's their favorite YouTube record. And and there's some disconnect from this because they're one of my all-time favorite bands, if not my favorite band. It's just something about. Them. I'm going to advance a I'm going to advance a theory, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, and Brian's going to be mad because Brian can't take any criticism of this album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian is is more touchy about this album than than the engine. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, he just he just no. he just also no. got ganged up no. on by these two guys. Yeah. Yeah. What? No, no. Um, I think one of the reasons why I, I love this album, um, I said two Oxen guys. Baby, and I do love this album. I do love this album. Yeah. This album is not especially fun. And that is the pro one of the problems with that is, um, and I think that that's what made Achtung Baby happen is that they started boring themselves. Can and, I and, yeah hop on that because yeah. I would one hundred percent agree agree with that. That that was one of the factors of when I was saying the jangly sort of eighties hippies. It was is that it was so serious, and I think fun is very important to the music that I like. And I'll never forget this is in the late nineties on MTV. I saw the premiere. It was a new song by the band Live who I, I was never a really big fan of, but it was super serious, right? It was a very serious, very morose sort of song. And then the, the next premiere was Discotheque by, by U2, where they're dressed like the village people. And I was like, this, I like this. Like, I like these people not taking themselves too seriously. I like that there's a fun aspect to this band now. And, uh, and you know, so that, that, you're right. There's a certain over-seriousness to it. And, and I, think that, I think that's U2's problem to some extent now is that people there's like a backlash to them because they are so serious and so sincere about everything. And, and they don't deserve the criticism, they do but not they deserve do it. invite it. Well, I feel the same way with Bruce Springsteen at times. Like, 
Like, if you are sincere yeah. and hardworking and you're always sincere sort of and hardworking, like, there's times where that's in style and there's times where people will have a backlash. But at the end of the day, like, when Bono dies, it's going to be a Just, massive Bowie-level, like, you know, it's yeah, going to be a big yeah, issue. No like, doubt. everyone's going to love this no band doubt. forever. And re- realize what they were going through at the time, right? Bono's roadie slash personal assistant died. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah Allegedly. He, right. <laughs> he, he and his, you know, I mean, he and his wife. Definitely wife, died. Yeah. Right. And he had spent his time, you know, doing these, you know, this social work and visiting these countries. Oh, yeah. Right. And all this. Stuff. So I agree with you. It is very serious. And it's not, I think it's hard. Like you're saying, Kevin, looking for a YouTube record to pull out and listen to. It's hard to pull this one out to listen to because it is so serious and and right. it's it hurts. Well, it's so know. touching. It's no, but this outside is, it's America. Yeah, no, you I'm have with to you. right. You get you get moved and it's so touching as opposed to Octung Baby, which you can just pull out and have a good time. So I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. I, under, I mean, I everything can't you know? be America. Fuck yeah. I mean, well, exactly. I, that's not, those aren't the well, two I options. There's some those are, yeah, there's, there's a little bit between yeah. that there, Jeffy. <laughs> Jesus All right. Christ. Well, I'm, I'm just trying <laughs> wow. to get you to recalibrate wow. your wow. scale. No, a little what, bit I, what, here. I, what I'm ultimately like, saying is that, wow. again, ranking it, you two ended up being a lot of fun and having fun personalities, yeah. and people didn't no. realize that that was true. There, there, there isn't no. fun. Ke- Kevin, you either, you either endorse this as the only album you're going to listen to for the rest of your life, <laughs> yeah. or you're Toby yeah. fucking yeah, seriously. Keith. You know what, guys, I, 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 I pull out every month and a half like now. Sorry, it doesn't come out every day. Jeez. And, I mean, my favorite, my favorite moment on the album is a, a minor chord moment right yeah no yeah and and that's fine look there's not a right answer to this question i'm asking i am i'm crying for help to make me love this record and you and you guys are getting mad about this this set no no no, i'm not getting mad but Uh, we've triggered them for sure the last 30 seconds (laughs) of one clearly a button has been pushed what's going on here (laughs) but to to your point kevin there's that famous quote right i can't remember which which record it was I don't think it was, it may have been Octung Baby or it may have been Pop when they said to you two, what does it sound like? And Bono said, it's the sound of four men chopping down the Joshua tree. <laughs> right. And I, you know, oh, I, and, I, great. and I love wow. that. I love artists that are willing to do that too, because yeah. he clearly knew yeah, break you it. can't, you can't do that again, you know, to some extent, like yeah. no matter how good it is and how huge it is they knew what to do next and in fact i would say if we ever have a conversation about how do you follow up a massive hit with something that's equally creative and massive we'll do that. that's one of the few times that someone ever pulled that off because that's a huge absolutely. huge trick absolutely, that, that's absolutely. Right, that, but brian's brian's comment is a great way to end this segment although i just want to add that with or without you is absolutely a rewrite of don't you forget about me uh, for people who didn't want to admit that I've come around to liking that song too right. it's not boring anymore to me but it was boring when I was a kid yeah. alright we're One we're trio. going to we're we're going to go away and then we will come back with or without you guilty pleasures will be the end of this show <laughs> in just a few you. minutes bye everybody And we're back. We are back. We are back. <laughs> oh my God. We have fun during the commercials. I gotta tell you, people. Uh, you know what? Way too I much think fun. If, if we haven't set it up yet, very soon there's gonna be something like a Patreon account where you can watch videos of our of our um, commercial stuff and get get extras and get some of our swag, yeah. which I'm sure is fantastic it's, at this it's point. It's awesome. Um 
Is it? It's pretty awesome. It's amazing. Yes. Oh, I'm right. Say it is. Because we're recording fantastic. in advance. This is all in the future. By the time people are hearing this, we swag. have tons such of good swag. swag. DBL hats. Yep. Tattoos. DBL keychains. Yep. All right. Face masks. Let's, let's like do one, but not yeah. this one. Face masks. Yeah. Exactly. We have the kind of swag that Lisa Loeb's swag opens for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What's up, DBL listeners? This is Kyle cutting in here to tell you that there is no swag shop currently available, but we're working on it. What we do have, though, is a bunch of emails from you listeners, and we are going to read them during our next recording very soon. So if you want to hear your email response uh, read and reviewed and talked about, on the next podcast, go ahead and email dadbandland at gmail.com. Look forward to hearing from you guys. Peace. Yes. Yes. Have you seen the have you seen the Loeb swag? It's, it's oh my good. god, you know, she it's has a great, great it's great. She has a it's great, great online yeah. presence. There's she nothing she wrong has her own with crypto. It. No. Yeah. No. I mean, we don't have our own crypto yet, but I have bought well, many things well, online I with do. Loeb Bucks. Have you, coin? do you have any Loeb bucks? What? Kev bucks. Coin? Kev, bu- bucks? Kev bucks. Kev bucks. Kev bucks. <laughs> you, guys don't, you guys don't trade, trade Kev bucks? Coin. You oh, guys man. don't have double a coin? Yeah. Double a coin? Uh, <laughs> let's, let's move forward to Guilty Pleasure. Right. One of my favorite All segments. Right. By the way, next week we might have a segment replacing Guilty Pleasures for the time being. No, we have no, some no. Other we, ideas no we, not we got, replacing. I have I, yeah. We just... Shuffling. Rotating. Yeah, we're starting a rotation. Around. Starting a rotation. Yeah, what, but we all have some pretty good guilty, guilty pleasures, pleasures this week. Nonstop. So we might. But Kevin, you're worried. I'm going to start with you. You're worried that you've done yours before. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting because I definitely know I've thought about the guilt that I feel about this song, but I don't know if okay. that I don't know if this conversation has been in my own head. Or if it's been with you guys, and that's that's actually <laughs> a general problem. It's, it's almost like it's almost like there's so many people that I thought I've texted back, but I realize I've only texted them back in my own head, and then I never actually responded. Is, that, so that's some deeply unhealthy. That's some pandemic shit, right yeah, there. Yeah, that's some pandemic yeah. shit. Is what that falls into. Um, so I don't know if this came up, but I do know this. Sometime in the mid '80s, yeah. there was a hit sequel to a hit movie starring the son of a famous actor. And um, and it took place in uh, Egypt. Do you guys recall this movie? Let's see if you can name this movie. It also featured a, a shorter... Ishtar? Oh, not Ishtar, no. But not it's a shorter actor who's still famous today. He's been on a sitcom for a long period of time. Indiana Jones in the Temple oh, of Doom. Oh, it's close. It's definitely knocking itself... Because Short Round was not a tall no, man. No, 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 no. Come on, we're talking... And it had a hit song... Oh, it's romancing the stone. Jewel the Nile. Yes, and what, Nile. what was the hit? Wow. What was the hit? What was the hit song from Which Jewel the one? Nile? When the going gets tough. The when tough the get tough going, going by Billy going. Ocean. Yep. Yes, Man, Billy Ocean. I'll take anything. I'll take anything, Billy Ocean. <laughs> really, Bring I, it, baby. Right. Okay. My, I. Look, first of all, when the going gets tough is on the soundtrack to 
to Jewel of the Nile, which I have, which of course is a great soundtrack. I mean, I've I'm never sure. seen either of those movies, by the way. Uh, I, I oh, recommend Jeffrey. them. I mean, I'm not sure they're good, but I recommend them. I realize that I recommend a <laughs> lot of things that I'm them. not sure are good, but I still recommend them. So yeah. check them out. Yeah, if you're listening to this like podcast, this be aware yes, that like Kevin will recommend things <laughs> oh that aren't God. good. So yeah. like the song, The Going Gets Tough, The Tough Get Going, was on the soundtrack to Jewel of the Nile. I mean, Jewel of the Nile, even though it, um, you know, had an Indiana Jones feel, was contemporary. It took place in 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 the modern day, in the 80s. So, so ostensibly, Billy Ocean was on the radio and would be the kind of music these characters would listen to. It was also the, the first song on the album Billy Ocean Love Zone, which I happened to have on, on cassette. And I got to say, I mean, I don't remember when the going gets tough, the tough get going, but, but it always... Worked for me. Boom, ba doon, doon, ba doon, doon. All right, let's take a second. Let's hear some When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going. Let me just uh, say, in my mind, I'm picturing a music video featuring that's, Danny DeVito. That's right. In the music video, Billy Ocean <laughs> Is it was right? he, he was performing. <laughs> Billy Ocean performs on stage, and and the three main the three main stars of Jewel of the Nile are in the background doing dances, singing songs, and they're singing the, they're singing when the going oh, gets tough. Wow. And you know, and not only that, not only was this clearly uncool because I loved this song, but I also was getting into Van Halen and Motley Crue. But I secretly loved sure, when the sure. going gets tough. And then Love Zone, which I had on cassette. Uh, if you guys remember back then, Arista, which was the label, all their cassettes were were orange. They were like an orange cassette case, which, Arista, which, yeah, which yeah. just drew more attention to how uncool this particular cassette was <laughs> in my stack right. of, of cassettes. We, we, have, we have to keep moving, Kevin, but I want to <laughs> say this segment is all about taking people's choices yeah. And guilty pleasures, and 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 giving them permission. Reclaiming. So no one I, has permitted me. I want to. I want to give you permission to remain guilty about that. One. <laughs> what? This is no. Wow. This is the final logic. No. no. This is you supposed to be a release. No, you betrayed me. I'm kidding. You have betrayed the segment. Very, You've betrayed yeah, the kidding. entire idea of the, the segment. The integrity of the segment's been ruined by this. This is a this. purging. I, I've come this here and read my soul. I'm kidding. Kidding. It's a, it's a delightful song. This is supposed song. to Jeff, be a safe that place. Was, that, was, that was the most condescending, it's a delightful <laughs> song I've ever, I've ever heard. <laughs> I it's really a, do like that song. It's a delightful okay. song. Here's, here's me doing uh-huh. Adam. I love that song. It's <laughs> It's delightful. It's fucking uh, great. It's great. I don't have to apologize. I was not a young metalhead at the time. I had no qualms about liking that song, and I still do. Jeffy, what's yours? <laughs> the thing about guilty pleasures is I've started to feel less and less guilty about them. Good. That's the. I think that's working. Po- I think that's positive. Yeah. I think that's. I think th- exactly. The podcast working. is working. We're gonna go back to 1985 for the release, Ooh. but the song itself. Um became popular in the U.S. in 1986. <laughs> this is so specific. I'm into this. I know. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm into these I like dates. The, I like the dates, information we don't need. It. What's that? Yeah. yeah. There's so much. Can I give you more? Please, keep going. So, some, some details. Any details. I'll start back in 1756. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want... All right, come, come forward now a little bit. No, no, no. It's no. important okay. because... 
Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Oh, was born. I know where this is going. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. Bring it. Bring it. Yeah. Falco. Yeah. Rock me, yes. Amadeus. Oh, that's yes. a classic. Yes. You are you're immediately classic. forgiven because that is fantastic. That is that is. Yes. We don't we don't do this a lot, awesome. but I want to pause this right now and I want us to take in a few seconds of Rock Me, Amadeus. It's still so it's no, so good. Yeah. It's still so. And good. tell us about this, Jeffy. Why? Why does this animate you? I get it. <laughs> why do you, and why do you feel any I mean, guilt about this? Yeah. You know what, Kevin? <laughs> You're right. Yes. No, uh, he's not. I feel very little guilt about yeah, this. Yeah, don't feel guilt. Good. Now I do. Good. I feel guilt about not feeling guilt. Right, that's complex. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It was, it was the mid-'80s. The biggest movie of I think the previous year had been Amadeus, right. featuring uh, Tom Hulse yeah, from Animal House. Amadeus Mozart, and F. Murray and from, Abraham, yeah, and F. Murray. And I have Murray. a great F. Murray story to tell at some point, and so the Oscar I. that he won for that movie. Um, <laughs> Maybe the same story. It's insanity. Is it the one about him bringing it to the theater every night? The Oscar. Oh no! It's it's the Congo I'll, line. I'll tell that sometime. Oh my God! <laughs> wow! We'll, right. we'll both tell our this we'll, is, do, uh... we'll do our F. Murray Abraham episode. Um, let's move on. Brian Frank, what's yeah, what your is your guilty, guilty pleasure? pleasure this week? Yeah, please tell us. <sighs> okay, we we seem to be in an '80s mode tonight. Yep. Oh, uh, it's I'm, I the, am the year. Mine is the two. year was 1982. Okay, and okay, a, narrow it down. Um, this is a a third act for a blues guitarist who had seen success in the 60s and 70s uh, in two different genres in the 60s as like a, a blues, you know, kind of player mm-hmm. in the 70s as like okay. a, you know, a rock, rock kind of guy. Okay. And in 1982, Steve Miller <laughs> released his single, oh, yeah. Abra Cadabra. Oh. I want to reach out and grab you. Is that? Yeah. Well, I, okay. I have a question about this because again, yeah. I was yeah. too young. I was too young to to know about this. But people have told me they're like that. That was the moment, like Lisa Loeb mentioned earlier, where a band did something that, and she's like, "What? Come on!" And there are some dire well, Steve Miller fans that have said, "I was with them to Abracadabra," and I'm like, w- "I can't comprehend that that was the moment okay. where you're out on Steve Miller." And that's the thing is, I don't know what really precipitated Abracadabra. I've not done the research, but you know, I'm young enough that Abracadabra was pr- was the first Steve Miller band song I've ever heard. You know, I didn't <laughs> know, right? Yeah. I just love this song. I you're thought young. it was you like hadn't heard "Fly Magic Like an Eagle" exciting. before that. Probably, probably not. Yeah. I, I probably I was yeah. probably the same way. When you say young enough, I want you to know that's still not young. I was nine. Yeah, you no, were alive was, when that song came eight. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but yeah. yeah, no. I, I uh, knew Fly Like an Eagle. Yeah. though. Abracadabra would have been on. my first, yeah. my first one. I would have assumed that he was yeah. like any '80s, like that he was. That's 1980s, like right? Yeah. yeah. I want to reach out and grab you. It is so darn catchy, and like. The lyrics are just cheesy as all hell, but it's just, oh my God, so, yeah. right? But it just, it works for some reason. The video is absolutely terrible, 1980s video. Was the video um, where you first saw it? No, no, no. I had heard it, and then I saw the video later. Um, I won the, uh, or my sister won the single, the seven-inch single, <laughs> at a uh, limbo contest at a bar or bat mitzvah. <laughs> 
uh, which is how this came into our possession. <laughs> this is the best way to get into Abracadabra I have ever yeah. heard. <laughs> yeah. We are very positive here, and we've been making guilty pleasures uh, something that affirms stuff, and you're, you're pushing the boundaries again. No, no, I'm with them. I'm, I'm, I don't like Steve Miller, but I like Abracadabra. I'm, I'm with you. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and so I do... I do feel that's my guilt now. That's literally the inverse of what it, 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 Steve right. Miller that's fans right. say. That, exactly. What, how do you think that turned I out? I forgive yeah. him for abracadabra is yeah. what they say. We are going to take yeah. a second right now and listen to Brian's favorite part of abracadabra. I want to reach out and grab you. I mean, I do want to reach out and grab you. No, no, totally. It's exciting. So, and I do have to mention, if you've not heard it, Sugar Ray's cover. Oh, I've not heard it. That's that's interesting. Wow. Oh, boom! That that is. (laughs) Brian just dropped an invisible mic on an audio show. He dropped a mic with with a Sugar Ray cover. No one's ever done that. That's definitely a first. (laughs) I don't recommend this man. Yeah, it's a high difficulty maneuver. it's at I, least uh, 9.6. We, we were before this started. We were talking about Steve Miller. I've never necessarily been a fan, mostly I think because of how popular he was where I grew up, and I never understood that. I understood the popularity of someone who was 20 years older than me. I didn't understand why people my age found any relevance in this music. But Abracadabra, when I when I was like eight or nine, was like I like I like magic. This guy's doing magic stuff on a video. Like I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, sign me up for like this. Magic. I like magic. I'm on board yeah. with this. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, segue to me because um, oh, yeah, yeah, you're left. my guilty pleasure. <laughs> oh, wait. Hey, guys. Hey, hey guys. What we're done. I had a good podcast. All this. Good podcast, guys. See you next week. Oh, hey, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, here's my guilty pleasure, and it's uh, it's it's 1981. <laughs> all right. We are keeping <laughs> oh, the theme on. going. And, and, and this is a slightly different guilty pleasure because it's a song that everybody likes, but it's a song you're not supposed to love. Oh, Okay. And and I love this song. It's 1981. It this is a Boston band that has had a is is breaking through into Hitsville kind of for the this. first I can time. Guess this. And, oh no. Oh yeah. Well, I'm not gonna guess it. Well, let me wrong. see if you can guess it by this. Yeah, line. I know what's gonna happen here. <laughs> of course. Un, like I love freeze frame, and maybe it's because I'm a keyboardist. I I love that song. I loved its its white boy groove. I love. <laughs> I like the, freeze frame too. It's what um, it's just it's just a great is, song. What? I will say freeze frame is the abracadabra of the, <laughs> the Jay Giles band. What isn't centerfold? Okay. What about centerfold? Oh, isn't that, that the is, abracadabra? Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah. centerfold. I thought was I thought, the abracadabra. Well, else, yeah, isn't centerfold the abracadabra I, of the of the Jake Owls band? I want to endorse Mr. Burke and Mr. Branion on that one because I thought about making it centerfold, and then I was real. Uh, Stop. Then it. I pulled back from Brian Frankland, and I said, "No, centerfold is actually a bridge too far." Well, you know what? Centerfold. <laughs> That's just too much. <laughs> 
Stop me about my stop me about my kid. When I was a kid too, talking about being a being a kid and loving magic, the centerfold and the theme from the Smurfs were the same song in my mind. It went da 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 da. Oh wow! And I never saw a different. I thought the Smurfs were singing centerfold pretty much the whole time that I would watch the Smurfs. And you were like, I like Smurfs, so I like centerfold. Yeah, I'm gonna like this. Yeah, this is great. Jake Galvan, watch the Smurfs. This is awesome. I'm going to have to do a mashup now. Yeah, it's time for that inevitable mashup. I'll start working on it tonight. <laughs> in fact, it, in fact, because we do pre-record this, let's hear Jeffy's Smurfs Centerfold mashup <laughs> right now. Right? Great work, oh, Mr. Brandon. I did gold. spend fucking 50 hours on that. Yeah, this is new art. Okay. New, new art. Brian Eno would love that. Consider me future impressed with that. <laughs> so, but back to back, back to freeze frame. Was center, centerfold was too yeah. far? You said centerfold was just too, too, too guilty? Well, yeah, to, if Over I'm, I'm going to be completely... If I'm going to be completely honest, I enjoy Freeze Frame a whole lot more than Centerfold. Oh. I just think it's a better song. So there's guilt, but I think no it pleasure. Harder. It's harder. Just guilt. Centerfold shoop, is just guilt, no pleasure. Yeah, that diddly that's the thing. And you know what? We all love that backing vocal so much that we pictured that as being in the whole song. But if you listen to it, the real diddly they they don't cut in right away. They're saving that for you. And, they, and it's so satisfying when you start hearing it. It's so good. Let's hear the the doodle it towards the end. Oh come on! Yeah, it's pretty good. Work All the right. way. It well, doesn't he- suck. No, no, that's a good thing. You song. know what? This this whole show was worth the wait. We ran long because of Lisa Very Loeb, and we blame our we blame our opening act for that. But <laughs> thank you so much for being on this show, Lisa Loeb. Um all right, send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland yeah. at gmail.com. All right. Follow us on the socials. Dadbandland is produced by me and Jeffy Branion and 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 Kyle McGraw for Starburns doing the editing. Um, cool Sonic pastiche by Jeffy. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. I want to give out the big thanks to the Brian Franks, to the Kevin Burks, and to the Jeffy Branions of the world. This is DBL Dad Band Land. Buy our merch, and we will see you next week. All right. Take it easy, Diddle-diddle-it. but take it. <laughs> Take it. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.